Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Rianne Aisler, who is an internationally renowned author, historian and futurist. Her pioneering work on the theory of domination and partnership offers a new perspective for constructing less violent and more egalitarian gender-based and sustainable societies, where survival is not of the fittest, but of those with the greatest capacity for joy, love and mutual care. So welcome, Rianne Esler. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Jane. Thank you. I, I feel today we're talking, it's such an important point in history, we're experiencing so many things. Um, but I wanted to take you back a bit and ask you where your passion for, for the work that you do, which is particularly around partnership and partnership in society, has come from. Well, I trace it back to my own early childhood mm. at another very difficult time. Mm. In history, it was the rise to power of the Nazis, first in Germany and then in my native Austria. And I am a refugee child from the Nazis, along with my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, so very early on, on Crystal Night, uh, a gang of Gestapo men came to our home, dragged my father away. Um, so I experienced... Uh, well, cruelty, insensitivity, mm. violence. Mm. But also that night I saw something else which had a profound uh, impact on me. And it's what I today call spiritual courage. And, you know, we're taught of courage as the courage to slay the enemy or the, kill the dragon. But uh, spiritual courage is the courage to stand up against injustice out of love. And my mother displayed that courage. I, she could have been killed. Mm. Uh, many Jewish people were killed that night. But she wasn't. She recognized, and it was a miracle, really. She recognized one of the Nazis as a young Austrian Nazi who had been working uh, as an errand boy for the family business. And she was furious. You know, she said, how dare you treat this man who has been so good to you this way, I want him back. And she did get him back. I mean, eventually some money passed hands. But um, as I said, it was a moment for me of seeing these two human possibilities, really. Yes. And I, I had to ask myself questions even as a child. Uh, and then we fled to Cuba. I grew up in the industrial slums of Havana. Uh, does it have to be this way? Mm. You know, we're told, I mean, the conventional story, whether it's original sin or selfish genes, it's, well, that's just how it is. You know, we're bad. We have to be rigidly controlled, right? Uh, and I didn't think that was true. But on the other hand, I wanted to know, well, what is the alternative? And that was the beginning. Of course, I didn't start my research until much later, uh, and it's multidisciplinary, cross-cultural, trans-historical research going all the way, as you know, into prehistory. 
Yes, yeah, so you've now you've now devoted your your life, Rianne, to exploring this. You know, do the and I, I know it's been a passion of mine too, exploring whether the adversarial approach to relationships has to be the only basis on which we base commerce, religion, politics, uh, or is there a better way? Uh, and 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 can that be a natural way? I suppose I love your idea of spiritual courage. By the way, yes, thank you. Um, I think we need new words, Mm. uh, which really takes me to my research, because what I discovered very early when I started this seriously, threw myself into this work of going back to the questions of my childhood, in other words, exploring what is the alternative, what do we have to build, I realized very early on that trying to answer that question Uh, through the lenses of conventional social categories like right-left, religious, secular, Eastern, Western, Northern, Southern, capitalist, socialist. Well, it was hopeless because, for one thing, there have been repressive, violent regimes in every one of these categories. So none of them tell us what we have to build. But even beyond that, and this was really very important, Uh, because my research is whole systems research. If you really think about these categories, as well as the conventional studies of society, sociology, uh, political science, economics, they either marginalize or just ignore nothing less than the majority Mm. of humanity, Mm. women and children. Mm. So you're starting without the whole system. So How can you see connections? And what I began to see, uh, once I really put these aside, were configurations, social patterns that kept repeating themselves and keep repeating themselves, both cross-culturally and trans-historically. There were no names for them, so I called one the domination system and the other the partnership system. And of course, it's a matter of degree. I mean, what I've introduced is the partnership domination social scale. Yes. And really the core components of these configurations, uh, and we have to pay attention to these, uh, are very, very telling. Uh, I don't know if you've ever wondered why uh, repressive regimes, whether it was Hitler in Nazi Germany, or Stalin's in in the former Soviet Union, or Khomeini in Iran, you know, religious Eastern rather than secular rightist or leftist Western, or the Taliban, or the so-called rightist fundamentalist alliance in the West, why they are so really dedicated and have it as a top priority, these so-called social issues of which are basically amount to either maintaining or returning to an authoritarian, rigidly male-dominated, highly punitive family. Mm. Why? And of course, there's a reason for it, because as I write in my newest book, which draws very heavily from neuroscience, is published by Oxford University Press about a year and a half ago, Nurturing, our humanity, uh, these formative, what children experience and observe, Mm. 
which are, of course, their relations with their caregivers, the relations of, of their parents, um, how a community views gender relations. These are formative. And so family mm. has to be taken into account. And one of the key differences between a domination-oriented society, because it's always a matter of degree, as I said, uh, and a more partnership-oriented family and society is precisely that as you move, as we saw, I mean, I, I've studied both history, prehistory, and now contemporary society. If you look at some of the Northern European nations, which have moved more to the partnership side, they are more democratic and egalitarian in both the family and the state. Moreover, and that is the second element, there is much more partnership between women and men, whereas in domination system, and this is fundamental, the difference in form between male and female in our species is seen as equated, really, this difference is equated with superiority or inferiority, dominating or being dominated, being served or serving. And that's a template for all in-group versus out-group thinking and acting. So again, it's not coincidental that in all of the societies I just mentioned, there is a lot of prejudice against the out-group, not only women, are considered, you know, the story of Eve and the fall. And by the way, there are two stories in the Bible about human creation. And one of them is very different. It is how Elohim, which is plural, created women and men in its image. The other one blames woman for all of humanity's ills. So gender has to be considered. And really... Uh, the amount of abuse and violence that's built into domination systems is huge. Mm. Whereas, yes, there is some abuse and violence in, on the partnership side, but it's not needed to maintain these rigid rankings, be it man over man, man over woman, race over race, religion over religion, etc. And force, and this is fundamental, story and language. So I like where you started there, Rianne, in saying that, you know, we tend to look at things in a binary way, don't we? Is it east, west, male, female, left, right in politics and so on? And actually that that is a false false, um, premise uh, and that you've gone back to look at patterns in society over a long period of history to find that actually the patterns that we have built up which start in the family unit. And I've always been fascinated by this, that we start with our families and we move out to the organizations and and tribes and teams that we belong to and then into the sort of global society. But that that is founded on this idea, particularly as we go through the revolutions of agricultural industrial revolution and things become sort of bigger, is this idea of domination versus partnership and that we are modeling what we see really it's it is about culture and conditioning isn't it um well what we know from neuroscience now is very clear 
the question is not genes, but gene expression. Yes. And how are, I mean, what children, and I will repeat this again, what children experience or observe early on, and the first five years are really critical, mm-hmm. uh, not only, I mean, I, I don't even know how to emphasize this enough, it really impacts nothing less than the architecture of our brains and with it how we feel, how we think, how we act, including how we vote. So if people vote for an authoritarian, uh, very uh, macho, you know, women are inferior, well, like Trump in the United States, for example, uh, who only saw two possibilities because in domination systems, there is no partnership possibility. You either dominate or you're dominated. Mm. Uh, They really are working out something that they developed. And the denial, I mean, that we see in these people is horrendous, whether it's climate change denial, whether it's election result denial, whether it's COVID pandemic denial. Um, there's denial is built into domination system, as is top-down economics. Yes. And it goes way back to Chinese emperors and uh, Arab sheiks and Indian pashas. It isn't just a Western thing. Mm. Uh, so... If we once we have these categories, but I want to say something. There, uh, when you say binary, the problem isn't so much that these are binary. The problem is that they are they they fragment our consciousness. These conventional right, left, religious, secular. A colleague of mine calls them weapons of mass distraction. Ah, that's interesting. Weapons of mass distraction. <laughs> yes. So where do we, I mean, what do you make of the times we're in then, Rianne? I mean, we're, we're in extraordinary times, aren't we? And, and as we speak, um, we seem to be or we seem to be experiencing a war in the Ukraine. We're in February 2022. So what do you make of the times we're in and, and, and where do you find hope in some of the patterns that are playing out at the moment? Well, I'll answer both questions because they're really two. Um, first of all, and I, I realize that the copy that you have of The Chalice and the Blade is uh, old because yes. there's a brand new cover. And I also wrote a, a new epilogue for the actually what was then, I think, the uh, 57th edition, the U.S. printing of the book. Yes. Um, but uh, the struggle for our future, and that's why I mentioned the epilogue, mm-hmm. because that epilogue brings it up to today. I mean, not, not, not Putin, but Trump. Okay. But they're really of the same class. I mean, what we are really seeing worldwide is not the struggle between right and left and capitalists and socialists. I mean, obviously, uh, it's really obvious that that's not the problem but between the partnership and domination configuration. So Putin has decided that he wants more territory. And to do that, I mean, this is, this is, I spoke about gender 
And it's so clearly not a question of women against men or men against women, because again, what Putin expects is for men to give nothing less than their lives because he wants more real estate. Mm. He wants more power over. You know, power, I mean, the chalice and the blade are two symbols of power. Uh, the blade is, well, the power that is appropriate for domination systems, the power to control, to dominate, to take life. The chalice is also power, but it is a very different power. It's power to give life, to nurture life, to illuminate life. It's also creative power, and it's power together. And you who do mediation are really very much trying to change the paradigm. In fact, mediation is a partnership trend. It's very much a partnership trend. And it's it's something that is beginning to take hold in different... I mean, it's obviously started in the legal profession, which both you and I have roots in, but it's beginning to flow outwards from there. And that's sort of been my life's work, Rianne, is to say, how can we take these principles out into the family, out into businesses, out into politics, and say that this approach, this partnership model works everywhere. Uh, And it doesn't have to be based on domination, which is fear-based, but it can be based on partnership, which is love-based. And this has been quite a revelation for many, is that we will talk about love as being at the heart of relationship but commercial relationships and you know and and political relationships and and what do we mean by that obviously we don't mean romantic love but we do mean respect and care um and those kind of things bringing those i think i read something that you wrote which was that survival of those with the greatest capacity for love joy or mutual care is what we're looking for in the new society well, uh, Darwin, of course, has been totally misinterpreted. Uh, as my uh, wonderful husband and partner, David Loy, wrote in his book, Darwin's Lost Theory, uh, Darwin has been used as a part of the story, right? Mm. As an 18, what he calls an 800-pound gorilla for the domination system. Yes. Uh, and even origin has been misinterpreted because we know and now from neuroscience and from anthropology and from, so, I mean, prehistoric studies from archaeology, that actually uh, survival is very much based on working together and creativity rather than just dominating the others. But, you know, we have to make some fundamental changes. And you asked me earlier about partnership trends. There are many such trends, uh, and they conform really to the four cornerstones that we must shift from domination to partnership. And that's long-term work. I mean, certainly we have to do the short-term work too. Uh, But protest is not enough. I mean, what we need is not only deconstruction, but reconstruction. And my work is really about both. So what are these cornerstones? One is childhood. There are trends in that direction. We are beginning to talk about not authoritarian and violent, you know, spanking, what have you, but authoritative and nonviolent parenting. As you say, 
not no longer based on fear because they talk about respect, but they mean fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's one area where there are partnership transgender. Uh, yes, it's still, we've been trained to think of anything connected with gender, which is rather strange thinking, considering that gender socialization in domination systems to be properly called masculine and to be properly called, quote, feminine is so fundamental to bringing up children. But again, there are trends now towards more fluidity of gender roles and relations. And even though we are, these are still marginalized as just personal, uh, as I said, and it really have to we have to start thinking of it this way gender because of this equation of of difference that is built into domination systems starting with the difference in form between female and male with either dominating or being dominant is foundational to domination systems but we also have uh something else which is a reason that gender is a key social issue And that's, we have had a hidden system of gendered values. And you know that because love, caring, caregiving, nonviolence is devalued. And we see that starkly in both capitalist and socialist uh, systems, where basically, both for both Smith and Marx, uh, the work of caring for people, starting at birth and keeping a clean and healthy home environment, which of course translates into our planetary environment. That was just, quote, women's work to be performed for free by a woman in a male-controlled household. So fast forward to GDP and GMP, that is the map in the real wealth of nations. My book on economics, I point out something really fundamental, which is that both capitalism and socialism, in other words, contemporary mainstream economic thinking, are based on a distorted economic map that ignores the three life-sustaining sectors, the natural economy, the volunteer community economy, and the household economy. Yes. So where do we go from here, Rianne? Because what you're saying makes so much sense and in the times we're living in but how do we how do we work out the way forward who's going to lead us there is the question i was going to ask you we are going to lead us because in the partnership system uh leadership is not well there are trends again in this direction in the corporate literature Mm. you read about the leader, the manager, no longer being the cop or controller, but being someone who inspires, someone who facilitates. So to answer your question, I think a first step is really changing our paradigm, changing our thinking, realizing the truth that despite what we have been told, you know, like the caveman cartoon, you know, in one hand, he's got a weapon, a club, and with the other, he's dragging a woman by the hair telling children before their brains are formed, much less their critical faculty, that, hey, domination systems are just human nature. That is a lie. Mm. Because for millennia, as foragers, we 
lived more in partnership ways. In the early farming societies, we still lived that way. Not perfect societies. You know, the perfect is the enemy of the good. Anyway, we know that. Uh, so we have to immerse ourselves in new thinking. And for that, we need new words. We need to change the conversation. Stop talking about right, left, religious, secular. Start talking about domination systems and partnership systems. Uh, on our website, centerforpartnership.org, you will find many resources, including a very affordable course called Changing Our Story, Changing Our Lives with four videos. That's a good beginning. Read these books yes. uh, and read the new neuroscience. I mean, Nurturing Our Humanity is full of it. Uh, because we have, you know, Einstein said it. He said, you cannot solve problems with the same consciousness, the same thinking that created them. We are going to be the leaders. I totally agree with you, Rhiannon. And, and to be honest, out of this series of podcasts, that's where we seem to get to each time. And it's certainly where I get to with, with my clients in mediation is it's up to us. It's about self-determination. But we must decide, and I think that's the work I'm doing right now is very much focused on this. What is our vision of the future? What kind of society do we want to create and how are we going to do that? And to start then at the family level and then at the local community level, which has been forgotten a lot, our local communities, and then to cascade out from there. But I, th I, th I think I, I see it happening already. In fact, I do see it happening already. So I have huge hope for the future. Do you? Uh, I don't know whether I would call it hope in my case. Uh, what I think is that we have an existential commitment. Mm. I certainly have that, mm. which is to work for the shift from domination to partnership. And right now, uh, it is still hangs in the balance. Are we going to move back towards more rigid domination or are we going to move forward towards partnership? And as I said, uh, it really begins with changing our consciousness of just what do we have to build as foundational to a more equitable, sustainable, caring yes. partnership rather than domination-oriented world. And the trends are there. I mean, we just touched on a few of them. But once you have this view, yes, you can be more hopeful because you begin to see that in all areas, whether it's in economics, we're working, by the way, at the Center for Partnership Systems on new metrics uh, that, unlike GDP and GMP, actually show the economic value of the work of caring for people, starting at birth, and caring for our natural life support systems. They're called social wealth uh, economic indicators. We're working to put them into an index. We need new metrics. We have been working on new metrics, new ways of measuring really economic productivity because for both Smith and Marx, both socialism and capitalism, uh, anything uh, connected with the three life-sustaining sectors is just reproductive mm. rather than productive, you know, whether it's the household, 
whether it's the community, uh, a volunteer uh, economy, or whether it's natural economy. And you can't just fix things by trying to add little band-aids. You have to change your basic premises. So we're working on new metrics that actually show the economic value of the work of caring for people starting at birth, which is huge mm. in our post-industrial knowledge service era, mm. where economists keep telling us that the most important capital is high-quality human capital. Well, I don't like that term, but if we are to have these resilient, uh, creative people who can work in teams rather than just taking or giving orders, we know from neuroscience again that whether we have that or not largely hinges on the early care and education that children first receive. And as for caring for nature, uh, we have to show, as we're seeing all around us, the enormous economic costs of not changing our ways. I mean, as I've often written, uh, at our level of technological development, uh, high technology guided by an ethos of domination is a disaster. It isn't the technology, it's the worldview. So every one of us can change that. But we have to change our thinking and the conversation. So really, we do come back to we've got to start with ourselves. We've got to begin with our own consciousness. Um, and then we've got to, to move outwards from there. But it is starting with ourselves, with our family units and changing this very basis of the way we see the world and the way we see men and women working together, reflecting this partnership model rather than domination as we move through the sort of tiers of society and yes, and we also, however, have to work on the social and political and economic level. Yes. Yes. Uh, we have to work for policies uh, such as paid parental leave. You know, the Northern European nations, Finland, Sweden, Norway, which, by the way, are not socialists. They have a very healthy business sector, very healthy. They're always way up on the World Economic Forum's global competitiveness reports, for goodness sakes, but it's precisely because they invest in caring for their people. They have very generous paid parental leave for both mothers and fathers. They have very good, very well-paid early childhood care and education. Uh, they have, of course, universal health care. Uh, these are all partnership trends. Uh, why start with the family? We've already gone into that. But we're really talking about living in an interconnected world where this in-group versus out-group thinking, as we see with Putin, is a disaster. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, you've got lots of work uh, that you're doing at your at your center. Where, and remind me what it's called, Rian. It's the Center for Partnership Systems and the website is centerforpartnership.org and it's full of resources that's that website so that's a great place for people to go if they'd like to learn more about what you're doing and how it applies at all these different levels and who do you see 
as well as inspiring you? Who who in maybe organisational life or even in politics is inspiring you in that they seem to be using some of these principles in, in finding the way forward? Well, I think the, the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, is trying to implement some of these principles. I, in the Real Wealth of Nations, introduced as the subtitle, I could have said a sustainable economics or I could have said a, a, a more a fairer economics, but I chose to say creating a caring economics mm. because I want the term caring, you know, in the hidden system of gendered values, it's been devalued. Uh, well, he's talking, he's, it's been co-opted. He talks about the caring economy is just direct care rather than by an entire economic system in, you know, informed by the goal which economic systems should of caring for people starting at birth and caring for our natural life support systems. I introduce also in that book the term human infrastructure. Biden is using that term now. So I think that it is spreading. Uh, there are many leaders uh, even in the World Economic Forums in Davos, who are talking about some of these principles. However, what is missing is, is really fundamental. And this is to leave behind the old thinking mm. and to start thinking in terms of these configurations. Mm. You know, linguistic psychologists have long told us that the categories provided by a culture's language they channel our thinking. So it's almost impossible to really think of alternatives. So start using the terms partnership system and domination system instead of this ridiculous argument about capitalism versus socialism or vice versa. I mean, both have domination elements, both have partnership elements. We need, I mean, Smith has been very much misinterpreted. He was a moralist. But even so, we wouldn't teach our children. It would be ludicrous to teach our children that if everybody is selfish, all will be well. You know, I mean, he, was, he just made a big, big mistake there. Mm. Uh, but these are domination-thinking patterns. And they work in a domination system, except for one little problem. That system could take us to an evolutionary dead end. And, and well, it is doing so, isn't it, Rianne? I mean, isn't that where we're headed? And I think, you know, what, what we what we have at the moment is an opportunity to rethink where we go from here. But my sense is we all have to take responsibility for that, not look outwards to who's going to lead us there, but to say we, each of us, are going to understand the choices that we make and make those choices consciously, understanding what the world looks like in partnership, in collaboration, and what the alternative looks like. I absolutely agree with you. And this is why what we need is a partnerism movement. Yes. Well, Brianne, with that, what would your final message be? I love this idea about a movement, about a partnerism movement. That seems to be something that many of us could 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 join, could get hold of as a, as a way to contribute to this new way of thinking. What would your final message to, to people who've been listening today be? Well, my final message is, I think, perhaps the obvious, that in the last 
past several hundred years, at least in the West, we've seen one progressive social movement after another challenging the same thing, a tradition of domination, you know, whether it was a so-called divinely ordained right of kings to rule or the so-called divinely ordained of men, right of men to rule over women and children or the so-called divinely ordained right of a, quote, superior race to rule over inferior ones, all the way to the environmental movement challenging our once hallowed conquest of nature, which could really do us in at our level of technology. But we need to also pay attention to these foundations, which these progressive social movements have only slightly touched upon. We need to understand the relationship between family, between the hidden system of gendered values, between and, and move to a what I call a caring economics of partnerism. And we must change our, our normative stories and we must change our language. And I'll close with this. Uh, I've, I've not only you know, introduced terms like uh, partnership systems and domination systems, but terms like hierarchies of actualization rather than hierarchies of domination. Because, look, we need parents, we need teachers, we need managers, we need leaders. But the question is, uh, how is power conceptualized? And how is hierarchy conceptualized? You know, in a hierarchy of domination, responsibility, respect, benefit only flow from the bottom up. And in domination hierarchies, that's appropriate. But in a partnership system, which is again, trends in that direction are, are very clear, uh, it flows both ways. And power isn't just power over, you know, you better obey or else. It is power with and power to. We are created. Every single advance, I've mentioned these social movements, has been because people like you and I have gotten together and said, we have to change this. Fantastic, Rianne. Thank you. I, I love that end message. It's not about power over, it's about power with and power to, and it is up to each of us to change these systems. Thank you so much, Rianne, for your time. Um, we'll put the, all the contact details for you in the show notes if anybody wants to contact you or your organization to learn more about what you do and the, the amazing number of books that you've already written. I'm sure there's another one in the making. But Rianne, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jane, for the good work that you're doing. And thank our listeners. Uh, and I invite all of you, go to centerforpartnership.org. Uh, start with the course, Changing Our Story, Changing Our Lives and just become what you are in so many ways uh, already doing, uh, being a partnership agent for change. Brilliant. Thank you, Rianne. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series and... If you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, 
please go to janegun.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes.